The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org. I have a go bag for the possibility that I have to leave my home quickly in the event of a disaster. I keep passports, some cash, a list of things to collect, including computers and charge cords. And I have some stories my kids wrote in elementary school, marriage licenses and transcripts as well. And if I have time, I would load up the car with photo albums and perhaps a few camping basics just in case we end up homeless. In some ways, it's easy to decide what to take if there's an impending disaster, but it's much harder to know what to leave to posterity. And much of what the next generations inherit feels so little connected to what I can do by myself. I mean, I would really love to leave a thriving democracy, a planet where we've learned to live sustainably. I'd love to leave articulated tenets of peace and equity and how to live with compassion. And so I guess that's where a lot of my reading and thinking and efforts in retirement all connect. And I've wondered, what was important to my grandparents and to their ancestors, especially as they left their homes in Northern Europe, sometimes at great peril to travel across the sea? Certainly, faith was one element I know, simply from stories about religious persecution or stories about losing a spouse and the grinding poverty that was left and so often met with grace and generosity. This was actually the story of an ancestor who helped found Holland, Michigan. From his story, his name was Evert Zagers, he brought his five-year-old son, Hendrik, and he lost his wife, Roel Elfia, in the voyage. For him, saving souls was important by telling how his faith brought so much physical salvation. It came from the kindness of strangers that was front and center. Zagers was actually saved by their compassion. What a different story about saving souls than what we're often confronted with today. It occurs to me that perhaps family, re uh, family recipes are another treasure that haven't made their way into my go bag, as some are in my head and others are on the shelf. But perhaps it's that those, those recipes bring those blessings that Reverend Laura talked about more than what the specific ingredients are. I learned from my 
organic gardening grandmother, Gert, that food straight from the farm is as delicious and nutritious as it is hard labor to create. So leaping forward to 2024, um, which started with two interesting classes that were brought to my attention by friends that connect to this topic about what to save. Now, honestly, I really wasn't sure I had time for pursuits outside of being the sabbatical minister here, but they connected to parts of my life that I've been working on for quite some time. The first class was called the Declutter Jamboree. It was taught by a woman named Katie Rogers, a feng shui teacher online. Now, I'm a bit of a pack rat. I can always find a reason to hold on to a card or a book or a placemat <laughs> rather than let it go. And Katie was an advocate for Marie Kondo's method of asking what really sparks joy. And then when something does not spark joy, to continue that sort of inquiry inside by finding a place of gratitude about what this object has meant in my life. It's a very sly way of shifting the experience of looking around my home and seeing clutter <laughs> to looking around my sanctuary and creating this good feeling about what I see because I've either decided it sparks joy or I've appreciated something and let it go and made space. I was really pleased with how much I was able to let go knowing that the secondhand store in my neighborhood called Savers would likely find a better home for these objects. And now I'm, I'm continually pleased by opening a drawer and being able to actually see what's inside it <laughs> and find what I want more easily. I started this class with the question, how many drunk junk drawers do you need? <laughs> and her answer was, mm. this is a process. Nothing will be a junk drawer when we're finished. <laughs> Well, I'm still in the process. <laughs> but this practice of taking the time between the Western New Year and the Lunar New Year to let go of things I no longer need is a welcome way to bring in the new energy of the new year. And so I think I'm going to hold on to that period of time for decluttering. It's a great practice for rainy, short days, and it's also a great excuse to leave up the holiday lights for a few extra days, knowing they'll definitely come down by Lunar New Year when the sun sets closer to six than five. And it shifts that pack rat energy from imagining uses that will likely never materialize to knowing what's useful and what sparks joy. The other class I took was offered by the School for the Great Turning, and it was called Tending the Bones. It's an opportunity to delve into the culture of ancestors within a community of seekers. 
It's led by this amazing duo, Lydia Haratunian, who is of Armenian and Iranian descent, and Leah Song from the band Rising Appalachia. I've been seeking a connection with my ancestors and filling in names in my family tree for the last couple of years. My mom's and dad's families both had their gene genealogy in the United States researched by various folks. And for a long time, I knew the names and the places and the dates, but not so much the where and the why. And what I especially wanted to know was what was the story? Why would people pick up and leave their homes, make a perilous journey across the sea, travel hundreds, maybe thousands of miles on a continent where they couldn't possibly know what they were jumping into? I had the I am French, German, English, Dutch, Scots-Irish litany down in grade school, and this course gave me more tools, some strategies, and a lot more motivation by connecting with other people who had similar questions. Now, the class is just finished, so what I'm saving is a little bit difficult to name because I feel like I'm just getting started. It's simple, but it also has all these nooks and crannies to investigate. So what I will save are the stories, the songs, and then that human longing that lies underneath those stories and songs that I think many of us connect to at various points in our life. The names and dates are helpful for uncovering these stories, but without a community of researchers, some living and some from long ago, the, the life in these parts of the world would be much harder to fathom and verify. For example, I tried to focus on Scots-Irish ancestry, partly because I was never sure what that meant when I was growing up. Scotland and Ireland at certain points are just 12 miles apart. And Scottish people from the lowlands um, were encouraged by King James I to move to Ulster in Northern Ireland to populate it. This was in the 16 and 1700s. They were religious dissenters. Sound familiar? <laughs> they were unwelcome by the Anglicans in England and then when they got to Ireland, they were unwelcomed by the Catholics. So leaving out a lot of history, a few generations later, disillusioned with the poverty, famine, and war, many of these folks came to the United States and many settled in Appalachia. Some fought in the Revolutionary War, like my great-great-great-great-grandfather, David McCurdy Sloan. I could see how people moving from Scotland to Ireland to the United States might not want to fight for the English. It, it kind of rings true now in a new way, especially when I think about some of the wars we're currently involved in. 
And it gave me a new interest in the music that often carries the stories. Country, bluegrass, and folk, genres that I've always gravitated toward. Speaking of ancestral music, my mom taught me to play piano and also to sing harmony from an early age. And I remember many evenings of old time music spent with her mom um, playing on the keyboard and her husband playing on the banjo. And I don't know if this experience of music, music is unique to me or if it's shared by most of humanity, but it is one of those things I save and savor. When I sing with my whole voice, anybody in here like to sing with their whole voice? Aha, there are some. <laughs> And when there are instruments to join in with, especially harmonies, I feel this, this buzzing in my chest. Something comes alive in that moment, in that communion of sound that feels connecting and delightful. Perhaps it's similar stirring in my heart, akin to what Carmen named earlier. So much of those musical forms from just that one part of my ancestry has powerful harmonies built in. This is where shape note singing comes from. If you've ever heard a group of people all singing a cappella, you can read these notes without knowing how to read music. It's, it's simple, but it creates these interesting harmonies. And I think in this time of rapidly advancing artificial intelligence, AI, I want to preserve those things like knowing in my body what it feels like to be in harmony. Or those kinds of wisdom that no computer could possibly fathom or name. In that vein, I'm not really sure how we store up or save love. I know it's really easy to fall in love with the, the little people that I'm privileged to know, my nephews and my friends' children. They're all preschool age, and their enthusiasm for life and connection to the simple joys like ice cream are such tonic for my soul. Now, telling them you love them when they're just two or three spark a memory, but maybe not. So what I decided to do is to write them letters periodically on their birthday, at Christmas, when I'm thinking about them. When I hear a story that I think, oh, their parents are never going to remember that. So I write them in a journal that I'll keep and maybe give to them when they're 16 or 25, if I'm lucky enough to live that long because I want them to understand this time in life that was so precious to me, and it's such a blur for most parents. I think of it as savoring the preciousness from that very fresh stage in life when everything is new and amazing, and humans have a sense of their self that is completely unfiltered. And 
Here's what I'll be saving from a very fleeting part of this congregation. I'm grateful to all of you, everybody sitting here, everybody tuning in, and the people who give over and over, week in, week out, with their leadership, with their ideas, with their participation, with their treasure. I'm grateful to the staff and the ministers as well, because I have never experienced before stepping into such a resourced community. It's, I, I'm getting chills. <laughs> I knew that I could not do everything in 10 hours a week. And the beauty of not being expected to is amazing. <laughs> That's a gift all by itself. Personally, I'm terrible at figuring out how long something will take to do. And often what you do in ministry is something you've never done before. I have to say, Reverend Vanessa must have a gift for this. And I'm grateful to her in many ways walking into a month spent really looking at covenant, the promises we want to make to each other to make the world a better place. Why we covenant and what it's important to say in a covenant was really powerful for me. I'm grateful to Reverend Millie and Reverend Laura and Asha Hauser for naming how we want to begin holding space for everyone who wanted to contribute to that covenant. Now you have more clarity you can employ to embrace the togetherness of communal work. I'm grateful to Mari and Carmen and Sam and Richard and all the worship associates who put flesh on the bones of these topics to make them more beautiful and accessible to all of us. And I'm honestly floored by your leadership and each and every one of you who devoted a whole Saturday to creating this covenant with such passion and devotion. Seeing you step up to really insist on accountability and find words to convey it fills me with hope. It fills me with hope for our communities, and it fills me with hope for humanity. There's something really beautiful about working with a gifted staff. Dan and the Sextons who have such talents <laughs> and know how, uh, how, know how in the ways of this historic building and what it takes to make it safe and functional and beautiful right here in the heart of San Francisco. Mark was telling me an amazing story about uh, them pulling out all the stops and all their creativity when floods were raining down last year. If you haven't heard it, you should ask him. <laughs> Susie, who has the capacity to keep on top of rentals and rent reservations, that's a big job. That's a, a face out to the community that's really needed and hard. Jonathan, who takes a few words on a page and makes them come alive 
through people and video and publications and sound. Laura Ludwig and Judy and Alicia, who create a lot of the glue that holds so much of what we envision together. The ministers who are affiliated with UU San Francisco, bringing pastoral talents like Reverend Fred and organizing talent like Reverend Millie and entrepreneurial talents like Reverend Shannon, and then Reverend Laura, who is so deeply wise, right? Along with her spar sparkling, spot, sparkling smile and ability to connect. Too much alliteration. <laughs> and, of course, so many musicians. Andre and Mark and Rayco, along with the bell choir and the voice choir and Jonathan on drums <laughs> and the gorgeous voices who lead us in song and share their solos. Coming from a small congregation where I was serving one quarter time, and lived 100 miles away, this feeling of all of you saying yes, and not only just saying yes, but showing and living into those yeses has given me an embodied sense of being resourced in a community that I hope will linger throughout my days. Just as the course for delving into ancestry was meant to put cultural flesh on the bones of names and dates, you have put a whole lot of the best in humanity on the bones of our UU faith. It is right relationship. It is dwelling together in peace, living into the spirit of love. You have something really special here. It's been my pleasure to be a tiny part of it. My mother lives in Elk River, Minnesota. The bedroom I stay in when I go home to visit has a door that opens up into a large space that sits above the garage. It is a room that is lined on both sides with shelves that are filled with all kinds of things knickknacks, towels, figurines, pictures, plus the floor in between the two walls also has open boxes with various things setting in them, like our white Santa bears that we had when we were younger. This room is often the topic of conversation amongst my siblings and I. There is the constant encouraging of mom to let things go, to pass them on to some other place. When I was a teen, I would go on my own cleaning frenzy and throw things away. And then I'd see through the window my mom going out to the garbage can to see what I had tossed there. Sometimes she'd take things out and bring it back in or she'd question me on why it was I was throwing something away, and I'd look at her and I'd say, Mom, with some exasperation at her interfering with my getting rid of things. Yet I have to say, there were times I was glad she did her rescue operation, 
especially when I discovered she had saved my yearbooks that I had thrown out in one of my zealous cleaning moments. In the past years, I have to go through and clean out the homes or rooms of a number of people who have died. It's hard work, and it also brings up a lot of conflicting emotions, especially when it's someone whom I have known well and I know what an item meant to them. It's a process that requires time and also respect. I feel obligated in a way to not just put everything thoughtlessly in a box and take it to a thrift store, but rather to pay attention, to pay homage in a way. There are things that when I pick them up, they seem to hold an energy. Not really sure why. So maybe I just set it aside or give it to someone I would believe will cherish it because they cherish the person. And then there are many things that were clearly part of a person's life on earth that was a part of their life, and they are no longer here, and thus it passes on, just as they have. And I myself, I have plenty of my own things, pieces from various places I have lived and worked and traveled, things that have been given to me, and even things my mom gave me on one of my visits home in her own attempt to pass things on. And I also have some things I have kept from those rooms and houses that I cleaned out after a friend died to remember them. I think about my mom when I look around my own room and wonder if I should let things go, a bookmark, a figurine, a colorful ceramic dish, a volcanic rock or a wooden bowl. As I look or touch different things, I check in with myself. Is there any feeling, any attachment, any meaning yet? I've done this ritual enough times to know that when there is still a meaningful connection and I notice a little energy in the heart, I hang on to it. As I go, go through my own process, I get why my mom holds on to things. She is the youngest of 10 siblings, and she is the only one left. My father and most of his siblings have passed away. Many of her high school and nursing classmates she remained with all her life have now passed on. And she birthed six of us children who used to fill her nights and days, and we are no longer there to fill the many hours she is alone in her house. When I open the door to the room in the garage, yes, I see a lot of stuff. But I recognize most of all that it is things that were a part of her life, of our family life, of my grandparents' life. Sonia wrote in the description for today's service, what is worthwhile to save? 
Longevity often depends on engagement and connection with people. I guess what I would say to that is yes. I save and I trust my mother saves things because they have a connection with our past and present precious lives. And there is a time to hold and cherish and a time to let go. Kay Jorgensen would often say to me, there is no away. So in that case, if there is no away, then being here with me or there in the house with my mom is just fine for now. <laughs>